Welcome to the Future Female Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Harrop, and it's my mission to create more female leaders in the workplace. In today's episode, I am sharing another episode where I was a guest on the podcast, But What If You Did, with Allison Palink. It is such a great podcast. Highly recommend checking her podcast out. Again, it's called But What If You Did? I will link it in the show notes. I'm sharing this particular episode because if you remember, I shared in my end of year episode about how I was working as a podcast growth coach for another company and I ended up getting laid off within the last several weeks. And that is something I shared a little bit more about in regards to the times that I have been laid off, if that is something that is affecting you or someone you know. I talked a lot about showing up as a better leader in the workplace. So as you're working towards that future leadership role, I want you to think about these situations that I shared about and how you can apply them in your position right now. All right, I'll drop you into the episode on the podcast, but what if you did with Allison? Hi, Nicole. I am so excited to be chatting with you today. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Allison. I am thrilled to be here. So guys, Nicole and I connected um, through uh, some mutual guests that I've had on my show before. And when I heard Nicole's story and her background in career coaching, it just felt very aligned to where I currently am and just, you know, fields that are really exciting to me right now. And so I'm really excited for you to learn more about Nicole. So Nicole, can you give us a little bit of background on who you are, what you do, and kind of where you're at now in your entrepreneurial story? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I live here in Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, born and raised. And I joke about being born and raised in a call center environment because that really is the majority of my experience. Uh, in Salt Lake City and in Utah in general, we have a lot of call centers. So it was easy to get into. And, you know, many people don't like that line of work, but I absolutely love being right there with my customers as close as I can. And so I loved being in those entry level positions and then wanting more after, you know, a few years and working towards that first leadership position. And I really struggled to get that first leadership position. Uh, I was in my early 20s. I was getting a lot of feedback as, you know, you're too young. You don't have enough experience or perceptions. I was really uh, not popular by any means, but I was involved in our training department. So everyone who came through the new hire groups, I became friends with and so uh, at breaks and whatnot, people would come to talk to me as a familiar face, and that created some perceptions that I was not serious about my work. So uh, I, I had to overcome a lot of hurdles to get promoted in that first leadership position. And as I went through my career, I had always run into different things that were what I felt was very out of the norm. You know, I dealt with a couple instances of sexual harassment with different leaders. Uh, I'd been laid off from a job more than one time. Uh, I've dealt with all these different things, maternity leave policies. I worked for two different companies where there wasn't one. And then when it was created, it was a really terrible one. So I kept thinking, why me? You know, my husband has a stable job and he, his his bosses love him and he's always getting these raises. And I was like, why can't it be that easy for me? And as I was growing in my career, I always wanted to help other women and lift them up with me and tell them, you can do this too. And so I became a mentor to many different women who were alongside me, as well as people who were uh, reporting to me from uh, a lower level and uh, helping to raise them up and give them the courage and confidence that, you know, I sometimes struggled with. So that's kind of what led me into my career as uh, being a career coach and kind of transitioning out of the corporate world into a more traditional uh, coaching type role. And I ended up building a program to help entry level team members prepare for their first leadership role. 
And uh, I, I share a lot of that message through my podcast, which is called Future Female Leaders. I'm all about helping to create more female leaders in the workplace. So that's kind of what got me to where I'm at today and helping other women avoid a lot of the struggles that I experienced along the way. I love that. There's a couple things that stood out to me. Love to hear a little bit about what advice you might give to yourself. Um, looking back in your younger years, I think I have, a, you know, right now I see a lot with my younger direct reports where they're like really excited. They're real. They take a lot of initiative and they like feel like they're ready for that next level. Um, and they're ready to, you know, expand their skills and to grow. And it's like it's really cool to watch. But they're also there's a lot of things they just don't know yet and they're not mm -hmm. ready for yet. And that's something that I like to like work on them with. But I don't think all leaders do that. So I would love to hear advice on what you would say to your younger self, but also what you've experienced in that realm. Yeah. What I didn't know back then was really what what is available to people now. Uh, LinkedIn, for example, I had no idea really what that was, you know, over 10 years ago. So if I was going back to my younger self and, you know, could utilize a tool like LinkedIn and getting connected to other people who were in roles that I wanted to be in, in different leadership roles, sometimes I think we get so stuck in our current environment mm -hmm. that we think we only need to network within our current you know, fear and that's our workplace, which is great. But there's so much beyond that that you can also learn from and get these amazing mentors. You know, uh, there's obviously career coaching, and all these things that you can pay for, and they are great investments into yourself. But there is so many free resources of mentors within LinkedIn. So yes, I wish I would have known kind of a, a broader uh, aspect of, of what I could have had uh, available to me and also recognizing uh, how I could stand out. What helped me in getting to that leadership position was starting to learn what my leaders needed and how I could be a support. Because mm -hmm. as a direct report, when I was in the position of, hey, give me something to do, I want to be helpful. I didn't realize that that's actually more of a burden on my leader than it is a help because then they have to think about something to give to me and then they probably have to train me on it too. So I shifted from that and said, hey, can I watch you pull some reports for some of the stats that you send out every day? And my leader said, sure, that was easy, right? I could just come hang out with her and watch her do these things. And then after I watched a few times, I said, hey, do you think I could try that out and have you watch me and make sure I'm doing everything correct? Because I would love to be able to help support you. And I think this might be something that I could easily take off your plate. So you, I wish I would have known sooner because that took some time of how I could offer help to my leader before recognizing that it was more of a burden back then. That is some really great advice. You know, I think even just like reflecting in my little ecosphere right now, like I see that in some of my my team leads and stuff that that is how they think. And then there are others that they really do like they want to help. But what they're asking for constantly is like, what can I take? And I'm like, there's a lot going on right now. I'm not sure what I have time to teach you to do. So that mm -hmm. is some really powerful advice. And I, I definitely wish that I had had that in my younger years myself. Absolutely. Um, another thing that you had talked about was your experience with just going through a layoff. I'd love to just take a couple minutes to touch on your experience from that and what you learned from that and kind of how you bounced back from that. I think that mm -hmm. like right now we're seeing tech layoffs across the country right now. And I think that there are a lot of people that may be listening to this, being that I focus on the messy middle and these big life transitions and taking advantage of yeah. how to really grow into those opportunities that life unexpectedly places in front of us. And it sounds like you have some experience in that area as well. Yeah. I mean, there's been, what, over 100,000 layoffs in less than a year. So it's it's a lot. And I was actually thinking about that as I was listening to your podcast yeah. earlier this morning. And it's very serendipitous that that gets brought up. But yeah, I I my first time getting laid off was when I was working at a tech startup that I absolutely loved. I knew I was in a space where I was thinking maybe I've hit my ceiling here uh, because I thought about upward growth, right? We all have that ideal corporate ladder that we just need to climb. And when I really thought about what I truly want and the impact that I wanted to make, 
it wasn't necessarily moving up that ladder. It was expanding where I was at. And a lot of people think that that's the only way to grow is upwards, and it's not correct. So I thought of how can I expand where I'm currently at? And I had done so many things. I had gotten involved in our training department. I had flown to the Philippines and helped with the Philippines team uh, who did training as well for our emails and chat support. And then I, I helped with our actual internal training team and recognition. All these things I took on where I was at, and that helped me to get a lot of raises over time uh, in that short three years that I was there. And it was an interesting situation because we had a conversation with our leader and he said some things were shifting, but no one had to worry about our, our jobs. So I didn't even think about it. And uh, it was the next day I had found out that I was pregnant with my first daughter after three years of infertility. And it was our first IVF transfer. And I was pregnant. So I was on top of the world. Best news of my life. That was a Friday. And on Monday, I got laid off. My boss called me into his office and said, well, he called me into the office that we often refer to as the office where people get fired at. And as I was walking up there, I was thinking, you know, we always think when our boss says, do you have time to talk? I thought, no, there's no way that I'm getting in trouble for anything or that I'm getting like losing my job. I'm great at what I do. I was told I was going to be next in line to get promoted, all these things. And there I was being laid off because I was the highest paid person in my position. And when money comes a part of it, it's the easiest person to lay off first. So three of us were laid off that day and it was really hard. It, a, a lot of the people internally, you know, it was like a funeral because we made a big impact on these people. Uh, so transitioning out of that workplace and having that be such a hit and recognizing, okay, now I'm pregnant. How am I going to now find a job and make sure that, you know, I'm able like, and when do I tell this new employer that I'm pregnant? Uh, so I took a week off and just said, I'm going to let myself uh, let this sink in. So I think that's important to give yourself a little bit of time. Maybe that's a day, maybe that's a week. I don't know what that looks like for you in your, you know, financial situation. Uh, and then I said, okay, now I'm going to start applying for jobs and uh, ended up finding one pretty quickly uh, after that. I feel like I am pretty well connected now. And that's why external networking is such a big thing that I push on my podcast and my messaging as well. Because internally, right when you have these mass layoffs, you you can't possibly help every single person who's on your team to find their next job. Uh, that's actually totally impossible, right? Uh, you might have the best of intentions to do that, but it it's not something that can easily be done. So when you are networking externally through something like LinkedIn or these other, you know, uh, ways that you can get connected with people uh, who are in similar types of careers as you, uh, that can definitely be helpful to shorten that time frame of when you're looking for your next position. Uh, so it, it wasn't super difficult for me at that time. And then again, it happened actually recently. I got I was working full time and uh, doing my coaching on the side. It was something that I had never prioritized doing full time. And because I sometimes get a little bit like scarce on the whole money mindset and scarcity from other baggage in my past that we don't need to go into. But um, I, I got a message on us on Slack when I was coming into work. I was just transitioning my daughters from a nanny into daycare. It was a crazy stressful day. It was less than two weeks ago. And my boss reached out saying, hey, can you talk? And I was like, oh, no, not again. Right. But then I was did the whole self-talk. Oh, maybe it's a good thing. Right. We can't always assume the worst. Um, but it was the worst. And uh, he told me I was getting laid off that day. So this time was a different shift for me because I had been preparing my coaching business and what I'm doing to prioritize myself and, and the impact that I know I'm being called to make on more women in the workplace. So it was actually a feeling and sense of calm, which I know that isn't going to relate to many people. But it might if you're if you were working in a toxic environment or you weren't in the right position. So I, I want people to think of what they feel in those situations and and 
recognize like what is this message telling me right if you're feeling that scarcity mindset it's taking a moment to breathe through while you're applying for other jobs because that's a full-time job in itself is applying for jobs and interviewing so it's taking that breath centering yourself and I always say if it's meant for me it will be and that's always the vibe and energy I go into when I'm interviewing for new positions and making sure that that next fit is a good fit for me, even if it takes a little bit longer to find, uh, because the last thing you want to do is to get in a job where it's another toxic environment or it's another environment that's not set up for your success. And then in a couple of months, you hate your job and then you're in this weird space of looking for work, but also trying to be a decent performer. And it's not a fun place to be. No, I'm well, thank you for sharing all of that, because I think, like you said, like there's a lot of people that are going through that. And it sounds like you learned a tremendous amount between the first time it happened and the second time it happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And that also just like something that stood out to me was like, gosh, I hope that I'm never the leader that's like, hey, do you have a minute to talk that like knows that that's what's going to be on the other end of it? Because I don't ever want that to be the association of like, I only want to talk to you when it's something like, you know, like bad or impactful or, you know, Mm -hmm. and so, man, what a range of emotions that that must have been. But I super appreciate the work that you're doing in this field because I think it's so important to show people how they can be resilient. And Mm -hmm. just when one door closes doesn't mean another one won't open. And and to take that time also to grieve that, you know, that's something that I've kind of gone through with a couple of my direct reports of like, they're shooting for some goal that then isn't going to happen and trying to teach them that like it's okay to grieve that process like it's okay to say goodbye to that opportunity that you've been chasing for so long mm-hmm. and to take the time that you need to process something like that so i think that's really right. powerful i'm curious to know how your leadership style has shifted over the course of like starting in a call center environment to mm-hmm. moving into leadership positions to growing your career i know i've listened to some episodes of yours where you've talked about moving into senior level leadership positions. And so I'd just love to know how your leadership style has evolved over that course of time. Yeah, absolutely. And real quick as a note, Allison, something that I think is extremely helpful in this current environment that we're in for all the leaders who are tuning in, if you need to have a conversation with your direct report and they're not actually going to be losing their jobs, I like to say, hey, do you have a minute to chat? And then you don't end the sentence there. You say nothing bad or I wanted to talk real quick, right? If it's constructive, we don't want to say, oh, it's nothing bad and then give them some, you know, tough feedback. Uh, I say something like, hey, do you have a minute to chat? I wanted to follow up about blank or I wanted to understand X, Y or Z topic. So that way they don't go into that, right? Because immediately when anyone gets that message, even if you're thinking about it when you're right now, you're like, oh, crap. Like it's just that intense, like your chest tightens up and then you think of all the worst things. And even when I was a top performer doing really well in my roles, anytime a manager said, hey, do you have a second? Can you come to my office? Can you chat? Instantly we assume the worst and we go on our defense. So if you as a leader can, you know, mention that, then that helps just kind of calm the fears. Like, hey, do you have a second to hop on a call? Nothing bad. Uh, Wanted to talk about this previous team meeting that we had. Wanted to follow up about something, you know, something in that regard. Even if it's not a great conversation, you can still give them a little bit of a heads up and, you know, ease into that conversation. Uh, from there. But uh, going into how my leadership has shifted over time, oh my gosh, it's day and night, I think, from when I first started, because the whole reason why I created my Future Leaders program was because when I first became a leader, I was like, oh, I thought I knew what I was supposed to do as a leader, but now I actually have no idea. And I was always going to my boss for that guidance, which that is what that relationship is supposed to be. It's not always what it is. So there are times when I've been promoted into a leadership position. You know, in the last couple of years, I worked for a company and got hired into a leadership position. I didn't have a job description. I didn't know exactly what the expectations were. What were the KPIs that I was supposed to be leading toward? What were the metrics that I was supposed to hold my team accountable for? Nothing was, it was clear as mud. 
I had no idea what I was doing. And even as an experienced leader, I came into that team and I was very lost. So it can change and fluctuate no matter where you're at. And I think it's a good reminder with the whole thought of change leadership is that anywhere you go, it's going to be a little bit of a shift. And again, we have that self-doubt, especially as women. You go through this and you're like, what am I even doing here? Why did they hire me into this role? I'm not, I don't know all the things. How am I supposed to do this? And you have to think that the previous you in the leadership position that you held for whatever amount of time, the skills, the abilities, the knowledge, everything that you grew from that time was over a period of time. And you probably had those same self-doubt thoughts in your mind when you first started that role. Uh, Maybe it was slightly different because it was less of a transition or a change for you. Uh, It was a more neutral step into that leadership position versus something that feels like it's a little bit out of our comfort zone. So when I've had those shifts, I have to think, okay, I have to kind of lean on the faith of my leader and they hired me into this role for a reason. And sometimes I'll ask them, remind me, why, why me? Like, can we talk about that for a second? And that's okay too, to say, I'm feeling a little bit of self-doubt. Can you help me understand what were some of the qualities that stood out among, for me, amongst some of the other competition that you were hiring from? And that can help you when they say, oh, I love that you have such great process improvement and you can really take something from wear it that and make it into something so much better. We love that about you. We love your communication skills. You have such a way of communicating with different departments and gaining their buy-in and being able to really make everyone feel supported. And what do I do? I lean on those things that that leader has told me and recognize the things that I'm not very familiar with, the data that looks like a different language or you know, um, new systems that I'm like, can I get another simpler tutorial on this? Right? Uh, it's It's leaning into those strengths during those times that you kind of feel a little bit out of your comfort zone and leaning on your leaders, which I had to do more and more as I grew into bigger, different types of leadership roles. And like, without a doubt, anything that you could do if if I were to give one piece of advice is to have conversations with your team members, have conversations with those direct reports. Build a foundation of psychological safety first and foremost. You're never going to go into a role and start making all these changes. Oh, I could change this. I could do this better. You know, push that all out a little bit and build relationships and tell your leaders, hey, can I get your buy-in that for the first 30 days at least, I just want to sit with my team. Maybe it's virtually. I just want to do side-by-sides with them on Zoom chats and watch them work and get to know them. I want to know them as a whole person. I think that's a big thing that's missing in the workplace right now is we don't see people as a whole person and what they're they're passionate about outside of the workplace. Uh, When you appreciate and know your team members as those whole people and understand what their passions are uh, and you say, hey, I know that you were really passionate about this. Maybe you saw a job opportunity that could be a good fit that leads right into their passion. That would be amazing. And even if it's not a right fit or they don't decide to go for it, that creates more of a great workplace culture for you and your team to have them want to stay, say, I'm going to work with Allison for a long time because she cares about me and the things that I'm doing outside of the workplace as much as she does as what I'm contributing in my individual role. That was such a like wonderful reflection of just like <laughs> so much that I've experienced recently. Um, I think like the beginner's mindset is something that when I went through my life coaching certification was something that we just focused on over and over again. It's that, it's that idea of like, even when you think you know what something is going to look like or feel like until you're in that position or you're in that driver's seat or you've stepped into that change, you don't always know. And it can really make you second guess yourself and your self-worth and like, wait, I thought I knew what this was or I thought I knew what I applied for. I thought that I I knew what I was stepping into and you really just don't. And so I love that you normalize that in that that is a normal feeling that a lot of us will go through as we step into something new. Um, also, the idea of like self-trust and like leaning into your strengths. 
I think that is so powerful and something that I mean, I transitioned industries from 15 years in the entertainment industry to working in payment. Yeah. And those are two night and day different um, industries. And I walked in and I was like, OK, there's obviously a reason that I'm here. But it was it was a lot of those leaning into those like transferable skills. And for me, like relationship building is a super big part of where I do start um, mm-hmm. and something that I stress a lot with people. And I've literally had people say, you spend so much time building relationships. It's a waste of time. And, and I don't believe that no. it is. I believe that that is the foundation for how you create change and that change leadership throughout an organization. So, well, how um, do you well, how do you get buy-in from people if you don't have a relationship first, right? Yeah. And that is without a doubt, you know, I didn't go to college. I I just learned everything on the job and what I did is leaned into my relationships and my ability to simply follow up when someone said, "Hey, I've got this thing coming up." You know, my friend's uh, father passed away a couple of years ago, but I added a reminder in my phone to say, hey, check on Marie this time every single year, you know, and it's something that I have all these reminders, you know, popping off in my phone, but it's so that I can make sure I'm making that effort to follow up and connect with people. And one thing that I wanted to add here as well, Allison, is when you're not sure about what that next step is any point in your career. I think another thing that we're really missing out on in the workplace, because I get we have a million things on our plate, we're always putting out fires. We probably have too many responsibilities and never enough time. Uh, But I say if your team, if your company, if your leader is bought into professional development at an individual level, which is a conversation you'll want to have with your uh, leader, and I would say Is professional development something that I can put on my calendar for myself? Get permission. It's something I always struggled with putting myself on my calendar to say you can listen to a leadership book that's going to help you be better in your position. It's okay to do that for an hour during the workday versus having to do it on my nights or weekends. Uh, But what helps is getting that buy-in first and foremost. And then in addition to that, shadowing your leaders right we I feel like there's not enough of that and I wish because I mean I didn't go to college but uh for the reason of I didn't want to spend money on something I couldn't see a a path and when I've been in my career I have been able to see that I've been able to see the people in those positions and I've been able to say hey you know when is a good time for me to come understand a little bit more about what you do in a day-to-day And it wasn't until then that I realized I don't want to move into some of these upper leadership positions because when I realized it was dealing with a lot of reports and, you know, numbers and data and like, you know, it wasn't so much about people leadership. It was more about process leadership and and, you know, driving the bottom line. That was not where I was most most passionate and where I felt like I could make the most impact. So that was a real big eye opener for me, because what if I moved into that role and absolutely hated it? Right. I feel like there's a lot of that that can happen where people are burnt out and not excited about their role. So the easiest way to figure out what you don't know is to get curious. You can do that within your organization. Or if that's not something that people are prioritizing, what do you do? You go search that exact title at a similar company and you talk to someone else who's in a role similar to that and understand what they're doing in a day-to-day. And that helps you additionally network, helps you find additional mentors, helps provide additional clarity to know what would I be getting into, right? Because we see our leaders running around, you know, if you're in person, if not, you have no freaking clue for the most part. You could look at their calendar and try to get an idea. But what's going to help that is having conversations and asking questions to them. Use some of your one-on-one time to be like, so tell me, what what are you having a hard time with in your role? What things that do you do each week, each month? Uh, what are your favorite things about your current role, right? And understand those things before you move into them. That's such great advice as well. I was just, so I do do um, personal development time with mm-hmm. my direct reports. They each have a dedicated block on their calendar each week that they can use as they see fit, whether it's learning a new skill, maybe it's they need to spend some time with a peer to skill develop. Yeah. Um, sometimes it might be listen. They've had they've come to me and said, I want to use my time this week to listen to this podcast episode. Is that OK? Or I want to 
read this leadership book. Sometimes I'll give them a book that I think is really reflective of the space that they're currently in in life. And that I think might boost them from either a leadership perspective or a skill perspective, and they will spend the time doing that. Um, But I've seen huge transformation since I started to give that space in their day for the whole person to show up. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I just had one of them that just went to a conference for a hobby that that they do outside of work. And we spent their one-on-one talking about reflecting back on what they learned from that experience. And like what they took away from it was, you know, like getting out of their comfort zone, building relationships, everyone starts somewhere. Mm -hmm. And like, these are all themes that you see directly transferable into their professional careers. But we had to give him PTO in that time to go do that so that he could bring that experience back to enrich the space around him at work. Right. And so um, I love that you highlighted so many of those things, because I think that that is something that we don't focus enough on in the work environment. Um, The other thing that really stuck out to me was this idea of like sometimes being an independent contributor is where you're happiest. And I think I hit that point in my career for a little while where I was chasing these leadership positions. I couldn't figure out why I couldn't move the needle and why I couldn't get into them. And then somebody said, you know, it's okay to not want to be in a leadership position. You're really exceptional in X, Y and Z. And I was like, oh, right now I actually am at a point that I actually really like being an independent contributor. And I just like influencing my peers. And so that was like a big mindset shift for me for a little while until I did find the right type of position. So I thought those were really powerful tips and something that, you know, I think whether you're a new leader or an independent contributor looking to go into leadership, like I think those are ideas that aren't brought up enough that can really influence your next move in the space. Yeah. And I always say you can absolutely be a leader without that word in your title. Uh, That is something that I strive to be when I was first working towards those positions. Uh, But you can always stand out in in that type of role. This could be amongst your friend group, right? This could be among your family in any sort of religious affiliation. Like there's so many ways that you can be seen as a leader without having that word in your title. And as you work to, again, it's always gaining that trust, that buy-in, psychological safety amongst your peers, because if you are going to be an actual leader over them at some point, that transition can be so much easier when you have gotten that buy-in. This could be even at your leadership level, uh, gaining buy-in and camaraderie from your other leaders in your organization leaning on their strengths and figuring out how your strengths can help them in their areas of opportunity. Uh, I find that that's how leadership teams tend to work the best together. And I love what you said is, you know, it. we don't need everyone to have the desire and goal and dream to be a leader amongst teams. There are absolutely people who should not be in those roles. And we see that I was looking at a stat yesterday that 57% of people who quit their jobs know that it was because of a bad boss. And it's because I think like so much in the corporate world, we talk about, again, climbing the corporate ladder. And what does that mean? Moving into a leadership position. But if you're not meant to be there, you can sometimes be a bad boss. And even sometimes with my best intentions and my goals, sometimes I I've gotten it a little bit twisted with what my goals and my intentions were. And I've been a micromanager before to certain team members. I haven't always been the best leader myself, and I'm learning and growing over time as well. But yeah, like not everyone is meant to be in those roles, and that's okay. So it's always finding that joy in the journey along the way and not solely having those blinders on until we get to that destination. Yeah, I love that. So something else that I would love to just touch on with you, and this is something that I saw come up a lot towards the end of the year. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to dive into holding effective one-on-ones and even effective performance reviews. I think that that's something that until you become a leader, like you just don't really cross the path of like, what does that look like? You know what you personally liked when a leader did with you in a one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to borrow what you liked and maybe leave behind what didn't work for you. But the reality is you're dealing with different people who have different needs and different learning styles and ha- find different benefit in a one-on-one or 
from even a performance review. So I would love to hear your advice and tips and tricks around um, those kind of spaces. Absolutely. My thought on one-on-ones and having effective one-on-ones is first and foremost to actually prioritize them. It's an easy thing when you're busy as a leader to be like, you know what, Allison and I are good. You know, we can meet next week. It's going to be fine. Uh, But really, that shows your team that you're they're not important to you and they're not a priority to you. So if you find that you're ever pushing off your one-on-ones, I always recommend putting those the first thing on your calendar if th- if that's the case. So that it's the first meeting you're not going to come in and have all of these distractions, finding really optimal times to do that. If they're scheduled towards the end of your day when you're feeling uh, low energy and oh, I was hoping to leave work early today, actually, or, oh, I want to get outside and move my own body, right? And we deprioritize those. That's never a good situation. So first and foremost, it's finding the right time to host these and finding the right cadence as well. Uh, Sometimes it works to do them every single week with a new team member until they have kind of found their footing. And then it's additionally, maybe it's biweekly or whatever that looks like. I wouldn't say there's a set standard and it's always what's working for you and for your team member. The minute it becomes a checklist, I checked the box that I had this one-on-one, it's no longer effective. I've been through those. I've been through many of those as a manager leading team and being like, okay, I got it done, you know, and it wasn't a productive conversation. I've also felt like I was the checklist that someone was marking me off their box that uh, they got that done today. And those are, again, not great situations for me. Uh, I like to to figure out what's going to be best for you and each individual team member. And I communicate that to my team to say, hey, I want to make sure that you are feeling supported in whatever way that is. Some team members, when I was working in office, we took we did a walking one on one. And so we walked through certain things where, you know, maybe I had a couple of things that I wrote down on a sticky note. I try not to have my phone out um, in meetings. Honestly, I prefer also to not really even have my computer out if possible. If I am having a one on one virtually, I actually like to have like my hands in view so that they can see that I'm not distracted by anything else. I try to turn off all notifications because the instant the moment you look down at your phone or that you look over at your computer, like people know that you're distracted and then they feel like they are a bother to you. So uh, kind of being mindful of those things as well. I like to keep my hands in in view uh, if that's helpful for people to know, like I am focused on you and only you in this meeting. Uh, So figuring out what works. One of my team members, like we like to go on drives and just go through a drive through and get like a soda or something. Uh, And I would talk to my other team members and say, hey, this isn't uh, only this person gets this treatment. I want you to help communicate what you're looking for. And I can tell you what I'm doing with other team members. And you can tell me what you want to try on and see what you like uh, to do with me as well. So I like to tailor those individually to each team member. And uh, it's not always work related. I love that you talked about for the team member who uh, was able to go and, and attend a conference of something not related to work, you know, making sure that they realize that it's not always about work and that there's a lot of stuff going on in the world that might be affecting them. If you have, you know, people of color on your team who are stressed about being out in the world, right? Um, simply existing can be threatening and work is like the least of their problems. Uh, so recognizing where each of your team members is at and saying something like, how are you really? You know, start your conversation like, I care about you. Um, I love, I went to a recent uh, event um, for a lunch and he said, you know, this is what I ask my team. I say, how are you? And then in parentheses, if it's like a Slack or something, honest answers only, right? Because that gives people- I do that too. Yeah, it gives people the opportunity to be like, oh, I don't have to say good or fine or busy, right? Like the quick yeah. responses, it's like, oh my gosh, I have a lot going on right now and I'm feeling really overwhelmed. 
And you can simply say, yeah, like, I see you, right? We're not here to just fix everything as their leader. Yeah. Sometimes it's just simply to listen. So uh, I like to to adjust them per person so that they aren't just a checkbox. And it's also having some talk around, like, what do they want in their career? Do they want to have career development uh, into a leadership role uh, and having communication around that so that it's not an expectation? I say, hey, I'm here to support you. I tell my team, if you actually aren't loving your role, I'll help you rewrite your resume and I'll give you tips on how to, yeah, you're nodding your head. I'm like, yeah, yep, I've done that before. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and what does that do? It creates more safety for them to be like, oh, it doesn't have to be a secret that maybe this this isn't the right role for me uh, and helping them. And guess what that does? It keeps people around longer and performing better because they feel seen and like they don't have to secretly do it behind your back and and let you know, you could be like, hey, have you got any interviews? Can I give you any tips? Um, I want you to know, like, I'm not going to find reasons to let you go uh, if you decide to look for another job. If your performance is falling under, absolutely, we're going to have other conversations. But if you're simply not happy here and you think that you'll be happy somewhere else, like, let's use your one-on-ones to you to look for that. And I have team members who are like, I was I was really put off by you offering that because I think you don't want me on the team. And I'm like, that's your your perception of what I'm offering for help. You don't have to take me up on it. I don't, I don't we don't have to talk about those kinds of things. So uh, it's very much a tailored approach. And you can have themes around like things you want to talk about. It's, of course, helpful to uh, look at their performance and make sure things are going well. What What do you need? Do you need any more training in any areas? Is there anything that's unclear? Uh, if any changes are happening, um, offer any sort of open conversation around that. Uh, I also really like the grow model and focusing on that as well. So you can search the grow model and, and implement that into your coaching as well. Because I find when people say like, oh, I really want this big thing. When you talk about like and put it back on them, well, what do you think is realistic? Okay, what are the options? You know, how can we get there? And they start thinking like, oh, okay, this might take some time. You know, it's not going to happen overnight. I'm not going to become a manager overnight, typically. Uh, so what are the things we can do to help get you there? And you can start setting um, goals from there. That's awesome. Um, so another question that I've had come up quite a bit and something that I've tried to help new leaders work through is just when you're writing a performance review, how do you come up with feedback for high performers? I think it's mm -hmm. so easy as leaders, especially when you have that range of spectrum of like you've got the really amazing person and then you've got the person that really struggles. A lot of your attention tends to get focused downstream on the ones that like really need your help to get brought up to the certain this whatever standard it is that you've set for the team. But okay. you have these high performers who come to their one on ones and they're like eager and they really want that feedback and they're like, what can I do better? And you're like, well, you're so far ahead of X, Y and Z that I don't even know what to say to you. What kind of advice do you have around giving high performers feedback? Because they're the ones that want it more than anyone. Absolutely. Such a great topic. Uh, so the first thing I want to mention is a huge shift in my own leadership was when I recognized with the whole 80-20 rule, I was spending 80% of my time on my lowest performers, trying to drag them up. And you can do this. Like, I can help you. And I would I believe in you. Yes, I would yeah. like look through all of their stuff in Zendesk or Salesforce or whatever, you know, CRM system. And I'd go and read through their email responses or I'd go listen to more of their phone calls and try to give more advice to help them be better. And what that actually does is it shows your high performers that if I just like didn't do as well, I would actually get more FaceTime with my manager. And that's not where I wanted to be. I had to have that realization and it was really hard because I am a self-diagnosed fixer. I like to fix people. And so what do I love to do? I love to help the underdog. And it was a hard boundary to set that I was not going to spend, right? My one-on-ones, I again, Allison, top performer. She's good. We don't need to check in this week. She's amazing. Uh, but what I didn't realize is that I wasn't pouring in enough effort to those high performers in their one-on-ones, in performance reviews. It was really basic, vague feedback. Uh, so first and foremost, if you're like me, 
uh, start setting some boundaries that if you if like help those lower percentage people start to want to raise their own performance and sure, give advice, but don't do anything that above, you know, uh, the are going above and beyond that you wouldn't do with your highest performers. Uh, So these highest performers and sometimes, you know, not always highest performers are going to be the best leaders. So again, having conversations around that and talking about career paths that they could take that maybe aren't leadership roles. Uh, People leadership is a totally different ballgame. So recognizing and having conversations and kind of giving them planting little seeds. What I love to say is, have you ever considered blank? And that gives them, instead of saying, I think you would do really well in X, Y, or Z position, they kind of feel like they have to do that because you're their leader, you're the guru, you're the one who knows all the things. I don't like to operate that way. So I say, have you ever considered an individual contributor role in this department? I think you would do really well because you're so great at X, Y, Z things. And I think you would do amazing over there. And it doesn't have to always be, again, people leadership in these management roles. Uh, For performance reviews, let's say uh, these are ones that are happening maybe once or twice per year. Uh, I'm huge on setting the expectations with my team that I will never give them feedback in their performance review that I have not already shared with them. Yeah, I, I really, so many companies use that as like, I'm going to pull that. I'm just going to hold on to that for a few months. And and I didn't like the way that he, she, they did X. So instead of bringing it up and resolving it now, I'm going to use that for their performance review because I need to have at least three things that they could improve on, right? I I really dislike performance reviews for a lot of reasons. Because if you're a good leader, you're having these conversations ongoing. You don't need a performance review to check in to, again, check those boxes. I hate doing that kind of thing. But we all got to do it. So uh, I will talk with my team. I'm huge on having what I refer to as a work journal. This could be on a physical piece of paper. This could be in a notepad on your iPhone. This could be on a shared Google Doc, whatever it is. I don't care how you want to do it. But I always encourage my team and I'll tell them as we're going through things and I see good things that they've done. I'll be like, hey, add that to your work journal copy and paste this or save this message in Slack so that when we go to do your performance review in whatever amount of months, you can look back on that because, right, we all go to sit down and it's like, what are your greatest accomplishments for the year? And you're like, I have none. I suck at my job. Even if you're amazing, right? I do that and I know I'm great. And I I have those same feelings where I'm like, well, I didn't change the world. So therefore, I, I... I should just quit, shouldn't I? You know, we have those thoughts. So it's easy to reference back, especially as women uh, with, you know, sometimes not as high confidence as some of our counterparts uh, is having that work journal to to reference back to. And I'll do that as well. I'll note different things, send myself uh, notes to make sure that I can remember all of these great things that my team members have done. And again, that creates that additional connection. They're like, wow, I can't believe you still remember that thing that happened in January, even though it's like January the year following. Um, And same with anything that's something that they have overcome. I say, hey, write this down that you're struggling through it because eventually we're going to end up on the other side of this and you're going to want to know how you were feeling then and how you've overcame that from that point. Whatever amount of time that it takes, we're going to work through it together. So that's what I recommend when approaching those performance reviews is to never have feedback that they haven't already heard and uh, to keep it constructive and say, hey, I want you to continue working on X, Y, Z things. That's typically what I'll put in my uh, constructive feedback instead of saying, oh, so-and-so missed the deadline on this thing. Uh, I would say something like, I would like for you to continue to set reminders in your calendar in advance so you aren't missing deadlines. I want you to continue or start, you know, if they haven't just yet, uh, all of these different things, right? Uh, And then for the constructive stuff, that's why it's important for us as leaders to also have somewhere where we're noting, and I get that life is crazy and 
It's hard to remember the things in a day to day. So having a space where you, you know, have a little bit of reflection each day. Uh, I have an episode that talks about um, your uh, workday shutdown routine and having even like 30 minutes that's on your calendar to where you can have a little bit of a checklist for yourself, right? This is where checklists are a good thing. And we're like writing down something like, hey, did any of my team members do something really great that I I could be writing down in their work journal that I have? Uh, Anything that I need to wrap up, anything that I need to finish for the day, right? You can do that in that time. Um, But that's where I would say if it's not on your calendar, schedule some time. Maybe it's once a week that it's just celebrate positivity something that keeps that going uh, so that you can note those different things and celebrate those with those team members and for the high achievers top performers uh, you can always look for okay well what what else are you interested in what are you excited about you've done really well in these different things what you know put that on them a little bit what would you like to do because we could come up with a million things and they'd be like "Mm, I don't like any of those and that's a lot of brain power on our end I would say hey Check out maybe maybe it's some podcast episodes. Maybe it's some leadership development books. Uh, what what are you interested in? Would you want to take a, a course online about whatever particular area? You go do some research and then you come to me and tell and sell it to me, right? Come back to me and tell me why you want to do this thing. And from there, we will set some goals and and put it back a little bit on them. Because as a leader, I've been in that space where I've tried to like, oh my gosh, you would do that. Oh, you should read this book and all this. Here's a podcast. Here's this amazing thing. Oh, you could also do this. Okay, what are, what are we going to do, right? And and they're like, uh, I don't want to do any of that. Um, Or they're like, oh, I, I have to do all of that. And that's not a great space for them to or you uh, to be in. So I, I like to put that on, on them a little bit and say, hey, come to me with questions. I never say like, go do this thing and you may not come to me until it's complete or until you have this fully figured out, I say, hey, here's something. If some questions or thoughts come up, come back to me. Let's chat about it in your next one-on-one or, you know, via Slack or Zoom, whatever that might be. Just a couple of things to reflect back. Um, When you talked about performance reviews, should never be the first time you're hearing feedback. I believe that to my core. And I think what was really cool was in this last year, this was the first time our company had done performance reviews a specific way. And I had someone on my team actually say, you know, that really just felt like a nice bow on the end of the year. Um, And it was because everything that was in there was stuff we've already talked about. It was just a recap from what they had experienced this year. And so it was a good reflection for them on how the year had progressed. Um, So I think that that is really powerful advice uh, for new leaders, especially when you're starting to do that. We also use a system that allows us to put weekly updates and to track our one-on-ones which is super helpful from a leadership perspective. And I wish all companies did that. My previous company did not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I use my weekly updates to my boss. I, I treat it like it's a brain dump for me, but it really is because I can see all of those updates. When I go back to write my self-review for my performance review, I can see all of those different accomplishments. And so I think sometimes having that like work journal, that's essentially what it is for me is so powerful. And it's also the thing that's really easy to skip and to push off and to say, I just don't have time for this this week. But at the end of the day, that is what ultimately is going to help you get that promotion. That is the thing that's going to help you figure out where you want to go. You're leaving little clues for yourself throughout the year of little nuggets of things that are interesting to you that you're curious about that are and like, if you go back and reread them, you have so much knowledge just hidden in what you've written down in the little moments that feel like you're rushing through them, right? And so I thought that that was a really cool thing. And so if you aren't using a work journal, I'm with Nicole on this one. You really should start one because it's a really powerful tool for you. Absolutely. Um, So I love to wrap up every interview uh, just with a what if moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, Millennials are especially good at not giving ourselves credit for all of the hard stuff. Like you said, that we, we accomplish and we've overcome and we don't even give ourselves a second to be proud of ourselves and to give ourselves credit for. And so that was a big premise for why I started the podcast was to get out of this what if mentality and more into this. But what if I just did it and it worked out better than I imagined? I imagine based on some of the stories you've shared with us today that you have some pivotal what if moments in life. And I would love to hear one that was really transformational for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll speak to one maybe as a leader. uh, It's kind of been the theme for this 
Uh, I think I would say for leaders, and what was really helpful for me is what if I did things my own way? And mm-hmm. it's it's such a big thing to potentially, especially if you're working in a corporate environment where maybe this is a company that's been around for years and you feel like anything you do outside of the norm feels like you're going to get blacklisted. Um, that has happened to me uh, in a sense. And so uh, I would say when that worked for me and was a huge shift was I worked for a corporation, uh, like I said, that had was a very well-established company. And I thought that that's how my leadership was going to be. That was my only leadership experience at that point. And when I got an opportunity to move to a startup company with a little bit different approach, uh, I was able to change how I led my teams. And so that's what I would say in terms of advice. Um, But my experience was, how about I show a little bit more vulnerability of myself? And uh, because when I was a leader and I couldn't, I was told, you know, you don't make friends outside of the workplace with anyone who's a direct report. Uh, There were certain things that were really off the table of like topics you could discuss or anything like that. And I felt like there was such a cutoff and not a connection. I never see myself, even as a leader of a team, on an org chart, I am technically physically above them and they report to me, right? But when I shifted to saying, I'm right here with you in the trenches, I will jump in and and do the work with you, which I think a lot of leaders are missing out on is being able to say, hey, it sounds like you guys are going through some tough stuff. Let me come take some calls with you. Let me come do some work with you, right? Getting in there and in the trenches with them makes all the world of a difference. And when I did that myself in terms of not only doing the the work with them, I shared vulnerabilities where I made mistakes. I screwed up. I got in trouble. And instead of trying to hide from those and act like everything's fine, I'm a great leader. I don't struggle through things like I somehow right we think as you get up in that ladder so to say that you have like less and less worries or struggles when in reality I think a lot of companies just do a better job of masking it and so when I had that experience from a leader being vulnerable with me and my team that was a huge transformation so if you feel like you can't be vulnerable with your team try it out share with them hey I made a mistake last week. I sent a report in. It had some incorrect data and share what the repercussions were. What this did was it really didn't support the whole team. It it made us look worse than we actually were. Maybe it made us look better. And so it looked like I was trying to hide something. And it was it was a formula that I put in incorrectly. And that really sucked when I had to have a conversation with my manager about it and how to fix it going forward. And when I've had those conversations with my team, I almost always, especially after a team meeting, when I've shared a vulnerability, sometimes it's outside of the workplace when I say, hey, I can't fully show up here. Um, When my dog went missing last year, I was a wreck. He never ended up coming back. And I couldn't even hold myself together to have a team meeting. I thought I could. I tried, you know, not to cry in the workplace, but I also don't apologize for tears. I wish more women would not apologize Thanks. for their tears. Uh, there sometimes is a place for that, of course. Um, but I just started crying with my team and I said, I'm really sad. My dog went missing and I thought I could hold it together for this team meeting and I can't. And I want to show up for you all, but I I wanted to come on here and, and tell you that I, I'm not in a space for that right now. In any time I've come and shared vulnerabilities with my team, always getting DMs, getting text messages, any sort of follow-up that my team can be there for me too. And and we're we're all in it together. So that is what I would say is, you know, uh, a a very amazing what if moment that started years and years ago in my career that still benefits me to this day 
is what if you, you know, show up and do things a little bit differently with a little bit more more vulnerability? I believe that to my core as well. It wasn't until I left a, a very traditional corporate space where I could not lead the way that I wanted to, move to a startup, found that I could lead the way I wanted to, and started to lead in a different way that I started to find that success. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a, a beautiful um, reflection of that in a what if moment that I I hope a lot of listeners um, can take with them and hold true for themselves moving into uh the next stage in their careers. Um, so thank you so much for your time today, to Nicole. This was so wonderful. And I mean, I know I learned so much from the conversation and I'm so excited to share this with my community. All right. I hope you loved this episode drop. I know it was a little bit longer of an episode, but as you can tell, Allison and I had a lot in common as she is a people leader in her workplace and always looking for ways to improve I loved to hear that she had taken some of the conversation we had and is already applying it in her current role. That's exactly what I love to hear. So if you have the goal to promote into a leadership role, maybe you don't see that as an immediate thing. Maybe you see that as somewhere down the line. I would encourage you to check out the Future Leaders program. It's currently discounted while it is in its first launch phases. So it's not always going to be this lower price. And I would love to get as many of you through the program while I still have the lower rates. And if you think your company might be interested in sponsoring you through the program, so you don't have to pay anything out of pocket, I would be absolutely happy to help you in how to approach that conversation with your leader. Again, check out the Future Leaders program. Link is in the show notes. And until next time, we'll see you later.